Happy Monday, folks. Today kicks off the uh, our string of what seventeen straight weeks of of Motown Mondays here as the Lions season kicked off on Sunday. Um, of course, we are recording on Monday, September thirteenth. We are a day removed from the Detroit Lions season opener at home. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Credit hold to up, me. hold you, up! Aren't we yes. not going to be able to do a Monday next week because we got Monday Night Football? Oh shit! Yeah, it'll be Damn a Motown it. Tuesday. Damn it! Yeah. Wow. I take back everything I just said next week. We'll be recording on Tuesday because they play on Monday night, but um, I did just finish watching the game as we are recording here at 1 36 PM. Um, this has happened to me before. I feel like I've discussed this on the podcast. Cause this was back when I was in school and I was working at suburban and I would have to be on the ice on Sundays, but I did have to work yesterday. I arrived at work at about 1 PM. I got home at 1.30 in the morning. I recorded the game. I turned off alerts on my phone. For the majority of the night, I had my phone turned off. I did not listen to the radio on the way into work. And then I told everyone, we had a pre-event meeting. I worked the Alanis Morissette concert last night. I told everyone in our pre-event meeting, I said, the most important thing I'm going to tell you guys tonight has nothing to do with tonight's event. I said, I know the Lions game is over. I don't want to hear you talking about it. Please don't ask me if I watch the game. Nothing. Not doing dishes. Nothing. So I shut it all down early, and somehow I made it home, and I got home at 1.30 in the morning. No one had told me the score. I had no I, I didn't. I had no feeling at all that they had won, because I think if they would have won people, you would have probably heard more people being like, wow, like, a, you know, just, just from the random buzz of 15,000 people inside of a venue. But I was able to escape all information from the game. I watched the first half of the game uh, last night, and then I just finished up the second half here. What a whirlwind it was. But the people that think that we don't work hard on this show, I don't know if those people exist out there, but that just goes to show. Like, I I could have very easily just gotten away with watching the little eight-minute highlight clip that the NFL puts on out there and yeah, just, no, or our, just looking at the score. But I, I watched every play. I watched every snap of the game. Our recording time today, our tip, as we like to call it, completely hinged on when Rabs was finishing the game. He was keeping us updated. He was like, yeah, four minutes exactly. left. Exactly. I was like, there's four minutes left in the game, guys. And I and, and I will have to say, after I was falling asleep during the second quarter of the game last night, and I texted my my I have a group chat my with my uncle Steve and my uncle David and my, all my you know all the guys in my family. And I would, that's the one that like that group chat blows up. I'm like every play. Like I had 400 missed messages yesterday when I left DTE and I texted them this morning without reading back. And I was just like, haven't watched, or I watched the first half of the game. And then my uncle Steven texted something about the last two minutes were like, we're awesome. And I, again, I had absolutely no inkling that they ever won the game, but after watching the first half and going to bed, I mean, it was 31 to 10. I was like, what could have possibly happened in the last two minutes? But they obviously got right there. But so credit to me for putting in the work and watching every snap. So no one can tell me that I didn't watch the game. Yeah. Also, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry for drunkenly texting about the game in, in our group chat. I didn't no, know. I never saw it. I never saw it. I just I see Motown rundown pop. I didn't even look at it. I'll okay, tell you good. something. I worked it called. I was busy yesterday, but I was watching on my phone. I didn't watch the whole second half of the game, and I have no intention of ever watching the second half of that game because really? the first half, the first half told me all I needed to know. And you can tell me this like fake <laughs> mounted comeback is going to be like we're going to get into it, like and I, and I'm not going to add that in and not going to comment on like what I saw. I'm just saying what I saw from the first half. It's going to be a long season for the Lions, and it's is what it is. It is what it is, and I'm not going to get all upset and stuff because they're clearly rebuilding. So. Whatever. Well, let's just let's get right into it then, Rabs. You want to give yep. some? You want to give your normal spiel? The final. Sure, score, I'll give you. Stats? Sure, I'll, I'll give you my spiel. Uh, so the first game from Ford Field: 49ers, forty-one. Your Detroit Football Lions, thirty-three. Um, obviously, a thirty-one to ten game at halftime. Um, some quick stats for you: Your new quarterback, Jared Goff, thirty-eight for fifty-seven through the air, three hundred and thirty-eight yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Jamal Williams leads all rushers for the Lions with nine carries, a whopping nine carries, 54 yards and a touchdown. And your leading receiver, TJ Hawkinson, eight catches, 97 yards and one touchdown. Um, so I guess as, as far as attacking the game, I guess we can go through, I guess, just our 
our thoughts, opinions and whatnot. And, and, you know, Collins obviously said he watched the first half after, after watching just the first half alone, I think I had a very similar sentiment of just like, this is going to be a long, long season and, and looking at the totality of the game and we'll get into the second half. And, you know, to a, to a certain extent, I would disagree. Like there, there is, there is something to take away from the second half of that game that, that I at least saw in watching this morning, but it's hard to win any football games when you're giving up 41 points. And I make the comment about, you know, a whopping nine carries for Jamal Williams. You're playing from behind the whole game. And, you know, they obviously had to commit to the passing game because you're playing from behind. But to, to, to let up 41 points is, you know, somewhat inexcusable off with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's, who's not – an elite arm talent or a, you know, tier one, I would even make the argument. He's not even a tier two quarterback in the league. Um, that offense does have some decent, some decent weapons, but they lose Raheem Mostert. I don't think Brandon, Ayuk played much of the game, which, which sucks because he's on my fantasy team. That's neither here nor there. Um, but either way, I, I would say my takeaways from watching the first half of the game, I was actually really, really impressed with Jamal Williams and I think that the, I didn't really realize the way they were going to utilize what? him. What? What do you mean? What? Collins ain't buying it. Well, if Collins is going to come on here every years, week. And, like, you know what? Take off away from the good and bad. Let me tell you about Jamal Williams. Well, <laughs> down to 31 to 10 and a half. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna come in here and, and do this, is this, this gonna be your shtick all year, Collins? Like, I don't have any comments. Shit, I don't have like, anything you, productive to Brad, say because they're not that good. Can't be the first thing you say about this Lions game. I'm trying to give you some positives that I took away from the first half. I'm, okay, I'm going I'm through saying, what I what I, I saw, just... and what I saw was I I didn't expect Jamal Williams to be like he almost felt like the true running back one. And I don't know if it's because DeAndre Swift has been banged up and they're trying to lighten his workload off the jump. Well, I think that they, is why, because, I mean, sure, William, I mean, Williams yeah, got the sense. first series. Williams got that the makes first sense. series all to himself. But they, they ran the ball pretty effectively for the most part. They didn't really commit to it all that much because, as you said, Collins, they were losing the entire game. So it's not like they were going to pound the rock 25, 30 carries a guy. But I was impressed with his skill set as far as he's fast. I think he hits the holes really well, and his his vision is is impressive. As far as he had a couple runs where it looks like the line's all jammed up, and he slips through a hole and can break you off some yardage. And DeAndre, we know what DeAndre Swift brings to the table. I I just think that running back tandem is a lot more elusive and quicker and faster than I anticipated. So I was impressed with Jamal Williams in the run game, and I was impressed with with the way that he was able to receive the ball and get in his yards after catch in playmaking ability um, out of the backfield. DeAndre Swift, same thing. Um, as far as the offense is concerned, I know Penny Sewell had his hands full, and I guess we can talk about injuries and the Taylor Decker thing. And, you know, that's the one thing that's jumping around sports media in Detroit right now is, you know, why like the Lions should have had Sewell playing left tackle from the beginning. And now like they kind of, effed up because they're going to get when they get Decker back like what are you going to do um, I think that I think the answer to that is so easy but I can get to that later I, I yeah don't... but I I mean I guess to kind of to, to wrap up the the thing that's that's going to trouble this team and and we we have talked about the fact that they their receiving room is is kind of embarrassing and I didn't realize like we saw it come to fruition of how bad it might be this year when they they had some breakdown on on TV of where the pass attempts or where the targets were going. And it felt like 75 to 80% of the targets were to your two running backs and TJ, like and TJ Hawkins. That's it. Like they, like Jared Goff does not have the ability to find receivers. And, well, and dude, he, he doesn't even look. And, and this is, that, this was my <laughs> biggest, this was my biggest takeaway. Seriously. Like I'm sitting up, I'm in section 318. Okay. So yep. I, it's bird's eye view. <clears throat> you can see everything. And we are so trained, like my eyes are so trained when I'm watching the Lions to look downfield. I, yeah. I didn't even, I did not even realize this until A, I was watching Jared Goff yesterday and B, I was watching Matthew Stafford last night during the Rams game. It is night and day. Oh, and I'm, this is not, this isn't an indictment. Oh. It's not an indictment on <laughs> Goff. It's literally just the fact that Goff doesn't look for receivers downfield because he factually can't make the same throws that we are used to seeing. 
And I think we all knew that, of course, but it still is just like, dude, wow, what a slap in the face. I literally turned the Rams game off. I couldn't watch it. Oh my gosh, dude. He was they, that first play when they scored a touchdown, and he dude Stafford looks so sick with a sleeve. I don't know what it is, but it, like yeah. it does it. It does it for me. But <laughs> um, he that was like torture porn. I can't watch that. I really can't. And then yeah, like the yeah. announcers just like, man, you really got to think about the Lions organization, Barry, Calvin, Staff. Like when they they do that every time they mention the Lions, and I just like okay, I can't do this. I can't. I can't watch it. So, but yeah. Golf, just shut down, shut down Charlie, baby. Shut down Charlie. I mean, it's like it's it's five yards, two yards, seven yards, two yards, one yard punt. It's like it's Dude, like anyone who's got Hawkinson in a PPR lead, they're gonna target him 70 times a game. Yeah, I mean Hawkinson's gonna get at least uh, he's gonna get 80 plus every single game and probably one or two touchdowns because that's their only offense. Him and Swift and Williams to Rabs's point. I was disappointed that Amonra St. Brown really didn't get that much of that much PT and who else was? Oh yeah, Quint Cephas really got like nothing as well. So you know, for a run for a wide receiver room that's already thin as it is, I'd rather play the young dudes and like I I, I don't know, Khalif Raymond. I, I'm not over. Dude, he's fast. That he is fast as hell, Khalif Raymond. Well, that's like, why they, he should he should be returning kicks. Still yeah, don't know who he is? Number eleven. No, but well, I, I also thought was I thought I he was where in, he played football. I don't like that's what I mean. I thought he was inactive coming into the game. But just just to wrap up my points on the offense, yeah, that that was like my biggest takeaway was just the fact that, and, and I'm not I I I refuse I refuse to play the game of like Stafford could have done this Stafford look what I have one like tongue and cheek comment I will make later about Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff, but. Like Jared Goff is what he is. And, and and I don't know, again, Trent, you like that's the one of the benefits of being at the games is just seeing like are people open downfield. But as you said, it's not like he was running for his life. I thought the offensive line was fine. They, they didn't really have well. Taylor Decker, obviously, like they were fine. I think Jared Goff had time in the pocket. And you also have to consider who you're facing on defense. Like they're going to give you fits no matter what, as, as far as the 49ers are concerned. But yeah, every every pass was it was like it's to a running back at, at a checkdown, or you're finding like Hawkinson over the middle. They don't stretch the field at all. And, and to Jared Goff's credit, towards the end of the game, they he did have a couple decent throws downfield. I know he missed several throws downfield because that's just not what he is. Like he's not a gunslinger like Matt Stafford that can that can fit a ball through a tire and and you know pick you apart. And the Niners, like not not that we're a 49ers podcast, but there's nothing more infuriating to me than when coaches like completely take their foot off the gas on defense and just like sit back and like the Niners should be embarrassed that they let that game get away. They really should. But defensively for the Lions, like there was there was zero positives that I took from the defense. They made zero plays like zero. There were there was no. No getting to the quarterback. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance were sacked one time. Like they weren't that effective against stopping the run. The secondary is terrible. Jamie Collins, like I, I again, I, I know he's getting paid a lot of money, but Jamie Collins is useless on that defense. Like absolutely useless. And we'll get into the Jeff Okuda thing later. And I, I want to give you guys both a chance to, you know, throw out your your observations. But Jeff Okuda, before he went down with his injury, which is terrible and sucks, and if you think I'm glad the guy is hurt, you're an idiot. That's not what I'm trying to get at. But he was terrible, like, again, horrible in, in the first half of that game before he got hurt. So I, I, I'm not going to throw the towel in on Jeff Okuda because he didn't he – didn't, like he played every single game last year because I'm pretty sure he was hurt a bit last year too. And this was just game one in a year that he has to take on a substantially bigger role. But from what you saw of, of his play before his injury, like, and, and you guys were saying it probably more. So I don't, I mean, I can't, I don't want to hash out and, and go back and, and, you know, as far as what we said about the pick back when it happened, I'm sure Collins was, you know, much more critical of it than you and I were Trent, but, but there is nothing that Jeff Okuda can like do in his career now to salvage the fact that the Lions took him third overall. Like it was a bad pick. It was a terrible pick at three. Well, I'm sorry the thing about it is not a, it's not that he like torn ACL. He, his Achilles ruptured. Like that's, it, 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 
And like you said, it's a bad pick because guess what? You didn't see any progress, and I don't understand or don't uh, like. You can't even like get to the point where you're like, no, what? He's gonna be better off in a, a ruptured Achilles. You know what I mean? Like that just doesn't happen. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough break for him, and. I mean, all the beat reporters were talking about how good of a camp he had and whatever. So maybe he could come back and be a serviceable cornerback for the Lions. But, but, I mean, at number three, his value is completely gone. He's not the difference maker you drafted. And I, it's, it's, I think it's really unfair just to base it off one game in a second season. And it's really yeah. I do think it's unfair. I'm not going to call him, like, a bust bust, but the picks at, like – The value of the at, third overall pick. Looking back at it, you could have picked Justin Herbert. Looking back at it, you could have you could have taken Isaiah Simmons. You could have done you could have done a lot of other things at that spot that maybe affects this franchise in a different directions. But that's such hindsight thinking. And I think yeah, yeah, I hate when people do that. But at the same time, at the time we were saying you can't pick a cornerback this early. That's just the value there is and, and if he wasn't going to be a generational difference maker, which it seemed like he wasn't. Yeah, it's it's and, and now with this injury, look where you're at. The so. bottom line is like that it, it is it is hindsight is 2020. To your point, Collins, it's like, yeah, we could have picked Herbert, we could have picked you know Tua or one of these young quarterbacks, but it's also like, look, if the Lions don't go five and eleven last year, if they go like eight and eight or nine and seven, they're keeping Stafford. Stafford's not leaving, and then you're trying to run it back. Maybe Patricia still gets fired. I don't know. That's all the what if game. The bottom line for me, though, is just it, it's, the whole era of Patricia and Bob Quinn was a failure. So I, I'm not necessarily devastated by this. It hurts the team a lot this year because the corner depth is horrendous. But now I look at a guy like Ify Malafonwu, it's like he's going to get snaps and maybe he's your next guy. And Oruwarie is going to get to play some more. And AJ Bryant or AJ Parker, excuse me, who had a fantastic preseason is going to get to play a lot more. So it's just like, Gosh, it sucks that Okuda – the, the bottom line, though, dude, he's played 10 games in two years. So, yeah, I feel – I feel he's a top three pick. I feel horrible for him because, yes, the, the writers were saying he had a fantastic camp and he was supposed to change the conversation about him completely this year, and he played one game and he played horribly, and now we're not going to get to see him until September of 2022. So the bottom line – yeah, I've said the bottom line four times. The actual bottom line – is that the Patricia and Quinn era was a complete failure. And that's why I guess I'm content with just saying whatever to Okuda. You completely whiffed. You busted. Just like Millen busted all those years. So whatever, dude. Whatever. I feel bad for Jeff Okuda. I hope he recovers. I hope he's able to come back next season and be, you know, somewhat of a somewhat of a number one corner. That's all. Because if you recall, last week in our preview, one of all three of us, one of our biggest points for to call this season a success was see something from Jeff Okuda. We yeah, didn't yeah. see shit, and now he's out until September. <laughs> That's null and void. Those, 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 uh, that pick was null and void for all of us now. But um, I'll, I'll turn it over to the both of you guys. I don't care who wants to start, but just your your takeaways from the game as a whole. Maybe, maybe we, I mean, I, I do want to touch on, I think we can definitely touch on the second half because it, it did get exponentially better, but I don't know how much of that was just the Niners taking their foot off the gas and, the Lions figuring things out, but I guess, you know, just, just takeaways from the game before we break it down into some different storylines. This defense sucks. It's bad. <laughs> it sucks. It's terrible. Like that first half was a, like point blank. Their safeties looked awful. Will Harris had a horrible first half. That's another like, Quinn. That's another Quinn pick. I know he had a That's your boy, Trent. Isn't that your boy, Will Harris? No, it's not. No, no, no not at all. We had a potential connection. <laughs> not at all. He was potentially a guest, but no, he, he's not right. I'm no offense. Seems like a nice guy, just not a starting NFL safety. Just point blank, he stunk. Um, it's just it's gonna be and the offense, like they were able to run the football at times. Like in the first half, they had a they had that one drive Trent, where they kind of moved it with Swift. And they ran the same play a couple of times. You're like, oh, here it is. Here it is. But without Taylor Decker on that line for what? Is he in the IR for the rest of the season? Or is it doesn't? Oh, he's, just, he's out a month. He'll probably come back week four or five. But, I mean, I think a bigger point is we can talk about. I mean, we're going to talk about it later. If you move him to right or you put him back on the left. Um, I just, I, like, I don't 
have that super big confidence that I think I had on the offensive line to run the football if they're not going to be able to move the ball at all downfield. Like, they're not going to be able to run the football. I think at well, the, that people think they're going to. If they're going to be going, like, five-yard slants and all that stuff, like, they, they're going to have to push it down just a little bit to give DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams some room. And what I saw from – and that's what San Francisco is a really good defense – so at least that front four is, and they got some players all around that defense that I think are pretty good other than fellow caliber players. So, I, I mean, it is what it, I, it is what it is. I'm not like, I don't know about you guys. I'm not pissing and like bitching and like, wow, another year of Lions football. I, we knew they were going to suck. We knew this isn't a playoff football team. It, it, it fact of the matter is, do you see what you want to see out of this rebuild? And one of the things, and like I said, I didn't watch the second half because I was busy and I was like, no, what, this game's over. But all, I mean, you guys can speak to it more than me. The whole point of like not giving up in a game and actually like competing. I, I do think that's a positive with Dan Campbell and stuff like that. But another negative is looking along this roster. I don't see a lot of guys that you could see during the future helping this team, especially on the defensive side of the football. I think there's like, minimum like two guys or three guys on that defense that are on this roster when they actually want to compete. Yeah. My biggest takeaway Collins, you just nailed it was that the team didn't quit. Uh, That is worth something. Like I recall a game against the Carolina Panthers last season where the Detroit lions were playing an XFL quarterback and they were down 20 to zero and Nick Williams jumped off sides. And I, I hate conspiracy theories, but the conspiracy theorist in me thought that that was intentional because he was like, this guy has to go. I can't play for this coach anymore, blah, blah, blah. They didn't give up on Dan Campbell this week. And I guess that is, that's something that is, is definitely a a little bit of a feather in his cap. I know we knew that he'd be the master motivator or whatever, but I also love Dan Campbell going for it on fourth down twice early in the game. Why not? Right. I mean, you force a turnover. You gotta, you gotta try to put points on the board. Also, this kicking situation is still horrendous. We're in kicker hell. I don't really know. I, what, what's his name? Cybert. He was fine, right? Two for three. But yeah, the I mean, he missed. missed the, it was just. It was just tough that the he missed his first field goal as a lion because yeah, because it, you could also put points on the board there and then you go up yeah. to seven on the next drive instead of tying. Yeah, that's what sucked. I don't don't mean to interrupt you, Trent, but that was another thing that the the lions they don't have. They're one of those teams where you just can't afford to make mistakes and turn the ball over because you're just not good enough to cover your own ass. So the lions go down the field, they go for it on fourth down. Jamal Williams kind of stumbles. It sucks, but it, I guess it happens. I love the, the call to go for it on fourth down, but in the NFL, especially there are so few times where you get an absolute gift to where Jimmy Garoppolo drops the first snap of the game, literally drops it on the exact same yard line that you just had the ball. And now you have four more downs to try to get points. And then you end up, not only are you not moving the ball downfield, but you, then you miss a field goal and give it right back. So like that, like you can't do stuff like that. Yeah. And, and I guess the, the takeaway in that whole sequence is just, I enjoyed the fact that Dan Campbell went for it. Everyone in the building was like pointing, like, do it, dude, do it. And I think he was going to do it anyways, but the crowd got so loud when they announced it was fourth and two. They're like, dude, you got to go. And he did. And I think it was the right call, but Williams slipped, whatever. So I like Dan Campbell. I like that the team didn't quit. I thought Penny Sewell was fantastic considering. Yeah, I think that was a, I, I, we need to talk about it. We should yeah, just let, let's just, let's, let's roll into that now. Yeah, Penny Sewell I, was fantastic. And if there's, if I, I, I do not understand how in a month or so they can justify him going back to right tackle. You I just can't. Don't get it. it would you be so can't. it would be so much easier for Taylor Decker, who's been in this league since 2016, to make that adjustment than it would for Penny Sewell, who is a generational talent at the position, and his natural position is left tackle. And 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 you know, the stars kind of aligned for him to get a shot there. He was fantastic. You can argue about who where, where Bosa ranks in the edge rushers in the league. He's top 10 easily. So for, for us to basically never hear Bosa's name during the game and then for Bosa to come out after the game and say Penny Sewell's going to be very good in this league, I don't see how you can justify moving him back to right tackle. But I want I want your guys' thoughts on that. Well, the one thing is, like, everyone's like, oh, you're going to hurt the ego of Taylor Decker. You paid the guy. I, like, he's paid, like, a left tackle. 
Dude, like, Taylor yeah, Decker is also such a team guy. Like he gets no, no. That, that's what I'm fans. saying. Like, I really people who think it's gonna be like a huge deal. That like, guess what? If your guy you're investing a seventh pick in the draft is better on that side of the ball, I mean, at that side of the offensive line, you put him on that side of the offensive line. It's just point blank. It is what it is. And if Taylor Decker is in a whine about it, like, hey, dude, how about you stay healthy? Like we just pay. You know what I mean? Like I no. I'm not that I'm not gonna bitch because obviously he wants to be healthy, and I I hate saying that like oh stay healthy dude it's your job like whatever. I don't like, I don't think he's even upset about it though. Like to your point, I think he's no. I don't. I yeah. honestly don't think. I just think that's a big like ninety seven one thing. It's like oh you're gonna piss off Decker. Like who cares? Like if you have an opportunity to have a top ten like left tackle in this league on your squad, why wouldn't you just have him roll out there instead of? Having like a top fifteen guy with Taylor Decker, so I don't know. I I I think I really do think Penny Sewell should stay on the left side of the line. This is one of those situations where you always hear things like you know if you have if you have two quarterbacks, do you really have one? Like this to me is the definition of a great problem to have, just from the standpoint of you draft Penny Sewell and you know obviously you guys have said it everyone knows his his true position is, is left tackle and the catch 22 is like you have Taylor Decker who trust me I have had my fair share of times where I watch Taylor Decker play in between his penalties and his inconsistencies I'm just like like really like I I I don't know oh, if I can watch this guy two anymore years ago. he was de- yeah, he's been good other than that really yeah had. so I mean he has what he was he, an all pro or a pro bowler last year I mean he was he was great last year, so I, I think he really answered your question as far as can he be the left tackle to stick around here and in and you know like be the anchor of your offensive line, and so the answer was yes. But now, as you were saying, Collins, it is kind of like a a, a next man up, and you know, like no no kidding, it's stating the obvious. If he would have been healthy and wanted to play left tackle, that's where he'd want to be, but. You're now in a situation where you've taken Penny Sewell and in all camp, he's played the right side, didn't look very good in camp, didn't look very good in the preseason. And now you have you give him the opportunity to play his natural position against one of the best defensive ends in the league. And he does extremely well. So I would agree. Like I as far as Taylor Decker being upset, I would like to think like as a lineman, I'd probably much rather play right tackle than left tackle because you got, there's a lot of pressure on you at the left tackle position. And you're probably seeing, you know, out of the two edge rushers on, on the opposing team, you're probably seeing the better of the guy. You're seeing your Bosa's and your, and your Khalil Max and your JJ Watts. Like that's, that's who you're getting. So yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any problem with with Taylor Decker. And if Taylor Decker doesn't understand that as a veteran of like, hey, you know, this guy, he's our he's our rookie. This is where he plays, and he was actually really, 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 really good at this side. We want to give him a chance because he's more comfortable there, and we're not going to hang him out to dry on the right side. Like I, we expect you, Taylor Decker, to go play the right side. Like that's that's your probably the best offensive line that you can put on the field if Penny Sewell is going to be better on the left side. So why not do it? Yeah, yeah. I, I just – and there there hasn't – to be clear to our listeners, like there hasn't been any reports that Taylor's Decker's like disgruntled or anything. So I don't Yeah, wanna, who knows? Yeah, it's like I, for us – for even for us to be like, oh, he's not going to care. I don't well, know. He will care. I There is like a thing about that. There's a difference. I, I do – Trent is right where he – like Taylor Decker doesn't seem like an egomaniac where he's going to like freak out if they do it. But it, it there's a thing to that. Like, hey, you're the dude basically in the offensive line room if you're the left tackle. Know what I mean? There's a thing to that, and, and, and I I don't think it's a major thing with Taylor Decker because he, like I said, he seems like a rather normal dude, and he also already got paid. Exactly. So yeah, so they, he, they committed to him being a part of this, like a huge part of this yeah, future. Yeah. So if he if they move him to the right or they keep him, at the, like it is what it is. But the fact that Nick Bosa is like going on the record, it's like, yeah, man, I watched the tape on him on the right side. He looks way better on the left. Yeah, that should just be like, oh, if we want to, <laughs> we we understand this team is not going to be good. Let's play our young guys at positions that we want them at in the future. Yeah, pretty simple. Pretty simple. It is pretty simple. And I will also my last big takeaway from this game before we can roll into other topics, if you guys want to, was just that I thought the team looked a lot more disciplined than it ever did under Patricia. There weren't really any penalties that killed you. 
at least that I noticed. And it wasn't really, you know, it just seems like with Matt Patricia, dude, it was constantly false start, offsides, pass interference. And and I just, I didn't see a whole lot of that. So I guess, you know, I, and, and I have to be honest, my family and I, we never leave early, but it was like you, the comeback ability didn't feel the same without Matthew Stafford in, in, in well, their offense that those points were such like non-factors to me. Yeah. Like I didn't watch like, but you watching that offense actually like against like a normal NFL defense, they're not going to move the ball consistently. They're uh, unless they change major things and be a little bit more creative and get people fall downfield. But well, that's the thing. I, I, I get, like, there's no juice on offense on this team and de- and the defense sucks. At all. The problem with the Lions offense right now, I guess in short, is simply just that people always talk about keeping the defense honest by running the ball every now and then. With the Lions, it's almost the opposite. It's like they gotta pass the ball longer than two yards every now and then to sort of keep the keep the secondary honest because it's like pretty soon they're just bringing pressure and they're stopping guys at the line, and then it's like the offense stalls out, you gotta punt or miss a field goal. So that's the, that's the only thing looking, looking at week two that I want to see cleaned up quite a bit is just take a few shots here and there. I understand golf isn't great at that, but dude, you got it. You got to try it one time. The one big play they tried to make, he, he missed Amon Ross St. Brown, like five yards out of bounds. It was not a good throw, but it was a good route. And I like the play call, but I just want to see a little more of that. Yeah, as far as as far as that comeback goes, um, and that's that's one of the things that that I definitely wanted to spend some time on. Um, I and this was my like tongue in cheek comment about Matthew Stafford. I was gonna say, you know, I once the once the Lions got the ball back. I mean, the onside kick was great off George Kittle's face, like awesome. They go down and score. And again, as a guy that was a day behind watching the game. There was no part of me that was like, they're going to get the ball back and have a chance to actually go win it, or I guess tie at that point because they lost by it. They ended up losing by eight. Um, but once once the ball gets I, – I, I actually laughed out loud when the Lions got the ball back, and it's like, wow, everything – like how, how serendipitous that we're now in a situation where I know one guy in the league that can take your team down the field and win this game. And he's not on your team anymore. And I was actually impressed. They moved the ball. They got past midfield. They had a a nice play down, like inside the 20 or 30 yard line. And I believe they had four hole downs to get in the end zone and just couldn't do it if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, as you say, Trent, I, I think it all gets summed up in the last play of the game on fourth and nine when, you know, golf gets a little bit of pressure. And instead of like throwing the ball to anyone to make a play, he like throws it into the ground and like, they're like, whatever, like it's fourth and nine. I'm taking a sack. I'm like throwing like what? So I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to sit here and, and make the comments and comparisons of like, Oh, well, if you had Stafford, like, you know, but I, I'm not going to do that anymore beyond this game. It was just funny how it all worked out. But I mean, in reality, you know, like I, I know a guy that could probably take you down the field and get you in the end zone there, and he's not on your team anymore. So, yeah, as, as far as Jared Goff is concerned, I, look, I'm not going to spend the entire year, you know, harping on him because he's just, he's not what Matthew Stafford is. And I don't think there's any, there probably are some people out there that were like, oh, this is an upgrade at quarterback. Jared Goff's a proven winner. And you, you, you just saw on Sunday between the one o'clock game and the 8 30 game how much of an impact coaching in a roster can do for a player and especially a quarterback. Jared Goff is a game manager. He's fine at what he does. He's been to a Super Bowl, but when you put him on this Detroit Lions team, there's they're not helping him out. He's not making anyone better. No one on this Lions team is making Jared Goff look good. Matthew Stafford made this team look better. And you send Matthew Stafford to the Rams where he's got Sean McVay, he's got great offensive minds, he's got weapons like Robert Woods, and he's got Cooper Cup, and he's I mean I know I know that uh that Cam Akers is done for the year, but he's got a real offensive line. Not that he didn't hear with the Lions towards the end of his career. But the guy goes 20, what, 20 for 26 with over 350 yards and like three touchdowns. That's the difference. Like, I take that team to the Super Bowl. And Matthew Stafford just elevates that team to a whole different level. So 
whatever you think you're getting out of Jared Goff because he's a proven winner, you just he doesn't have the arm talent that Matthew Stafford does. He's not making oh, throws shit. that Matthew Stafford does. He he's like there were a couple throws downfield when he did try to go downfield, he missed. And you only get a, a handful of those a game, especially against a defense like San Francisco's. So if you can't make those throws when they become available to you, you completely limit your ceiling of what your offense can do, which is why we're sitting here talking about the fact that the guy threw 55 passes and maybe 10 of them were beyond 10 to 15 yards. And that that's that's what they are. So I know. Yeah, not, nothing I, wrong and with I, the thing about it is don't complain about it because I I I think as a franchise, like you made the decision to move on from Stanford. It's over. It's over. As much as it's gonna suck watching the Rams like win this year, because they are, they're they're gonna be really talented. And if Stafford stays healthy, I truly believe they're one of the better teams in the NFC. But um, like this is a rebuild, like, and I think ever I think everyone's on the same page actually. Like I, it's most of the people I saw on Twitter said, yeah, the Lions like suck. I think there was a little optimism preseason that they weren't going to suck as much. Like, know what I mean? Like, oh, they could they had good offensive line, and then Decker gets hurt. Now Okuda gets hurt. Like, this team's going to suck. It is what it is. You got to do what you got to do. If you build it the right way, you got to have a couple of these years, and they're going to suck this year. Just point blank. Yeah, agree. And golf, and, and you're right, Rab. So yeah, anyone who's expecting golf to be Stafford, it's just not gonna happen. Point blank. Yeah, well, it's I. I just I don't want, think anyone expects that. Though. Correct. I don't think and I'm does. sure. Again, there's there's those like Stafford haters out there that were like, "Oh, the Lions didn't didn't achieve what they could have because of him." And that's what I just want to make the point of. Well, I'll tell you what: the Rams, because of Matthew Stafford, are going to not are going to be a deep playoff team this year and the lions not because of Jared Goff, but without Matthew Stafford aren't going to do anything this year. They're just not. And that's not Jared Goff's fault. Jared Goff is a, is a textbook well, I, game honest, manager quarterback. No, I don't even think Stafford could save this roster. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree good. with, I well, wouldn't that's disagree true, with But you. if you put Stafford in that situation yesterday, he probably at least sends an LT. <laughs> I, I mean, so. that's again, that's that's like my point of if he's got the ball at the end. I mean, every again, that's and it was just a weird feeling for me watching the game with Jared Goff. It's like this guy's not going to go win you the game, and he actually did better than I thought. They got down the field, like I said, but I don't know. I, there's just no. I don't mean to get to get animated about it, but as you guys have both said, you know, we we have you saw the cards on the table again and again. San Francisco is a very very good team, but. Yeah. I mean, that's like, this is the product that you're getting and, and positives. Like, yes, they did not give up. They, they stayed in the entire game, but if you give up 41 points, you're not beating anyone. Yeah. You're basically not. this is a pretty boring podcast for us, I guess. No hot takes the team, the team, the roster's bad and they looked bad and gone. Yeah, and I'm not, and no one's, no one's, no one's mad or upset about it. it it's I, I think the the best thing that comes out of a game like that is and you heard at halftime, whoever the sideline reporter was, was, you know, Dan Campbell's in the locker room saying, like, look, like, we don't care, like, what the score is. Like, you're not out of the game until you take yourself out of the game. So at least they hung in there and showed themselves that they can compete against a really good team. But it, it's, again, there, there's just – there's no reason to sit here and, you know, oh, it's same old Lions. It's really not. It's not same old Lions. They're just not good. Like, same old Lions is – is, you know, just like the little things like getting screwed by the refs and, you know, in, in ridiculous penalties that take late in the game and, in, you know, bad coach. That's it's just not like it just it's a different feel of why they're bad. Like they're bad because they're bad. That's that's they what stink. it is. So lines stink. I'm sorry. They stink. I guess. You said that like I, I we've gone around to saying that for like 10 minutes. We just be like, yeah, they stink. And then Trent's like, yep, they stink. Ravs is like, yep, they stink. Hey, I also want to throw this in there just because this is for fun. I'm not, I'm not sure if your guys' fantasy leagues work the same way, but Jared Goff right now is the number one quarterback in our fantasy league. I'm Anybody? sure. I mean, the guy threw 55 passes. Yes. And, and, and to that point, Rabs, last thing for me, Dan Campbell said it after the game. We threw the ball 57 times. The way this team is constructed, we are not going to win any games if we're throwing 57 times. That is not an indictment on golf. That simply means that you're playing from behind, A, and B, you're not giving it to your best players, which are Swift and Williams and, and, and Hawkinson here and there, obviously. But 
whatever. I digress. Yeah, I mean, they, they do they do have to at least try to run the ball more. But, yeah, I mean, even – I know Tyrell Williams got knocked out of that game. Like, he didn't no – no, none of the receivers impressed me either. And what whatever, beating a dead horse here. So, let's uh, let's go to the picks here. Um, our leaderboard, shockingly enough, I, I pick up right where I left off last year as your champion. 2-0 for me. Trent and Collins both 1-1. Um, we all, all three of us had the over the gate. I mean, the, the, the Niners almost took the over themselves. Um, and then I believe the spread that the spread that we had was seven and a half. I had the Niners, Trenton Collins had the, uh, had the lions and, you know, eight point game. I'll take it with the win. So, um, that's that for the, for the leaderboard, um, this upcoming game, I am currently going to find what the line is. Um, I'm actually pumped up because I have to work again this Sunday. And I was telling everyone at work, like, I can't believe I got to record the game again, but they're giving the Lions some love. They're on Monday night next week. Correct. Against the Packers. Correct. The spread is by the way, by the way, the Packers. Yeah, they stink. They stink. I don't see more stinks. They don't stink, Trent, but the NFC North does. The Lions are tied for first. I would actually put money on the Vikings and win that division. Really? I do think the Packers are going to go like 10 and 6, but like I I think there's good value out there for the Vikings. Dude, I just, I genuinely think Aaron Rodgers just doesn't really care this year. I think he's, I think he's, I think he is well aware that when he gets cut or whatever the whole situation is next offseason, he will have his pick of the litter in terms of teams that want quarterbacks. Everyone will offer him a contract and he'll just choose where he wants to go and then he'll start balling out again. I don't think he cares at all this year anymore. Like I, you could see it. Yes. Yesterday was the worst game of his career. And if you, if you disagree, if you disagree, he had the 32nd QBR in the league yesterday. He was the oh. worst quarterback in the league yesterday. Like hate to see by the numbers. Hate to see it. Um, all right. So the lions are going to Lambeau field Monday night football, eight fifteen kick uh, the spread right now. The Packers are a 10 and a half point favorite. The over-under is at 48 and a half. Um, Trent, I guess you can take it first. Lions cover, 10 and a half is way too many. Um, wow. but, and, I, and I think it goes over as well. Um, I, and look, this, this line is probably going to move a little bit. I think it's going to go even higher. I think the Lions might be like 12 and a half point dogs by the time. You think so? Really? Yeah. Yes, dude. Because oh. I mean, well, after the pack, like the Packers just got throttled. So I don't know. I, I, I could see it going either way. I could justify it to myself, but. Yeah, granted, they get the three points for being home. Essentially, Vegas is saying the Packers are a touchdown better than the Lions, which I can't disagree with, obviously. But given what we saw from the Packers, dude, that, like, you want to talk about a bad receiving core, and obviously the Lions are, like, bottom two in the whole league. Packers might be there with them. Like, Devontae Adams is great, of course. They don't have anyone else who can create separation make plays. So, with that being said, both defenses looked horrible, so I think both teams will be able to score, and I think it goes over. But – I don't know. It'll be a fun game to watch. There's juice. I think the, the the idea here was that it's an early season division rivalry and Dan Campbell's entertaining. And I think that's kind of what ESPN was going for with this one. So I like the Lions and I like the over. Uh, Packers and under. So you think the Packers win a slugfest by 10 and it still goes under? Yeah, I just I think the Packers hammer Lions. First, first game in Lambeau with fans and like what? Two years, yeah. Like yeah, I mean, you saw how much that mattered for us. I, I don't think it. I don't well, think it but like TV, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, the Lions actually had a horrible start to that game. Say the Padres are on the field for me. I'm just saying it's going to be a cathartic experience on that Monday night for those people. Were you not? Was that place not buzzing the first like five minutes of the game, Trent? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I don't know. I, did, I, I just the Padres will hammer the Lions. I think ten and a half is a good number for this game. I truly do. What did? Can I ask you? What did you see from the Packers yesterday that makes you think that's a good number? I didn't or, see or is it more? Is I, it did, more? I didn't see anything from the Packers yesterday, Trent. I just so it's know. more than the it's Lions. Twenty. Okay. It's twenty-two years of, of I just Lions know. Packers research. I know. I just know that. I, I know right. that he Rogers all week. They're gonna have. They're gonna be like doing the stupid first state segment for like, oh, is Rogers really care? Does Rogers? And then Rodgers is going to shove it up everyone's ass and literally throw for like 500 yards, five TDs. That's what's going to happen. 
So okay, so it's more you just thinking the Lions roster stinks, which it does. I do. Yeah. I think it's more the Lions stink, and I also think like you're gonna get a really hungry Green Bay team that has a lot of talent on it. It does have a lot of talent on it. That is fair. That's fair. I will take the over, and I the reason why I'm taking the over. The, the Lions, like, I could see the Lions letting up 35 points a game. Like Aaron Rodgers is no exception to that rule. Um, and, I, and the Lions have shown you that they can score on, on good defenses. So, I mean, they'll, they'll get the ball to the end zone. Um, so, I'm taking the over easily. I'm going to take the Packers as well. And Collins, like, absolutely hit the nail on the head as far as I haven't watched any of the, you know, of the, like, the sports talk shows or whatever and, we're going to, is this the end of the, of the, you know, Aaron Rodgers era and in green Bay, is he done? Does he have anything left in the tank? And then he's going to have some, some stupid press conference by him being like, relax, relax. And then he's going to come out and throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns. We're going to see on, you know, like on Twitter of like, Oh, Aaron Rodgers silenced the haters. Like that just it, like, this is what that is. I've seen, I've seen the same song and dance a million times. He's going to be at home. And again, let alone him being at home, the Lions going to the road at Lambeau with Jared Goff and a brand new head coach. They're done. Like, I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to love watching it because Monday night football, they are going to get throttled on Monday night football. Like, you, you think Jimmy Garoppolo was able to have success throwing the ball downfield on the Lions? Now the Lions don't have Jeff Okuda anymore. Who are they putting out there at cornerback? Dre Bly? Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day, field day against this team. Hey, I will say Jamal Williams revenge game, though. I think he'll pop a couple touchdowns. I, yeah, I was going to – I forgot to mention that. I think Jamal Williams, like, goes the fuck off. How's that? Yeah, he'll have 11 carries for for uh, 57 yards and two touchdowns. They'll go off. <laughs> that's the most – that's what they. It's all I can do. Jared, Jared Goff better be icing his arm because he's about to throw 75 balls next game. That's insane. How many Stafford threw 27 balls, right? 26. He was like 20 for 26. And then yep. Jared Goff threw twice as much. Yep. Playing from behind, man. Trying to sling it with a with a guy who's not a gunslinger. But Taylor Two know, Cities. It's like a square, it's a square hole, a circle, a circle peg in a square hole. What's the what's square the analogy? Peg in a round, putting a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, that's what or the fuck a, we, that's yeah. what that was. That's the Goff Stafford situation. But, anyways, that's is that all? I guess. Do you have a? Do you want to do a trifecta, or do we just wrap it up? I don't. I have a couple. We got a couple minutes. If you guys yeah, want, you can ask. Okay. You can ask some yeah, questions. If you have one? Yeah, yeah. I got them. I got you them. Can I got ask them. some questions. All right, Trent's trifecta. Been a minute. Thanks for coming. Uh, first question. Brad, Rob will be happy. That's a Rob's biggest sin. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's Rob. He gets me every week. Bring back the trifecta, you coward. This is dedicated to Rob. Then coward. shout out to Rob. Um, Rabs, you first. Do you prefer a high or low scoring MLB game? Oh, God, you know, that's a great question. I love pitchers duels. I love the art of pitching, but me too. Me too. I don't know. I, when I, when runs are coming across the plate, like just from the fan experience watching, if you're at a game, high scoring games are great. Like, you know, I love seeing guys move around the bases, but I do love like pitching to me, the art of pitching, like seeing a no hitter that you, I mean, not a no hitter, maybe like a one or two hitter. Good stuff but I like the high-scoring games. By the way, shout out the Tigers. They got 68 wins now, correct? Yes, sir. Walk-off walk. We'll cash that ticket. Thank Dude, you Dude, shout much. out J- – J- we might need to next week. I mean, we'll do a lot of Lions next week too, but we need to talk about Jamer. Nasty. Are they going to sure. re-sign him? Like, they should, like, extend him now. Yep, I would. He's yep. having, like – he's sneaky having, like, a career year. That'll be a fantastic topic when we do Tigers wrap-up, Collins, because you're right. He had- – that home run he hit yesterday was incredible. By the way, I would try. I would rather have a low scoring baseball game. Okay, so you okay? So my thing is the 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 baseball purists in general would be more likely to say low scoring because they want to no, see the pitchers. I it's not even like the pitchers rule. It takes like seven hours in these high scoring games, and half the time you're like, oh my god, you gotta have you gotta watch like a terrible reliever come in for both teams, and you're like, oh my, can this guy get it over the plate. My yeah. dream baseball game was like three to four, and like and, and like your guy closes on out in the ninth with like guys on base, the electric fastball. You know that's a dream baseball game for me. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I agree. Low scoring, I, uh, low scoring across the board. That's that's a little surprising, but I 
We're, if it's we're, like three to nothing, like a five to nothing game is like the worst game in baseball for the guys dealing and the other. I don't know. I like yeah. It, it. Yeah, it's fun to watch guys deal. All right, low scoring for the win then. Um, second question: Do you play Super Smash Bros? And if you do, who is your character? I I okay. This is a bit thin, like with a lot of the people I went to college with and roommates and whatever. Like my buddies always play Smash. I I'm never good at it, so I just don't play. I let let them handle it. But I'm a Kirby guy because I'm basic. I'm a basic person who barely plays that game, so I play with Kirby. So and then and I'll have everyone say, "Oh, I'm Link. I'm I'm Yoshi." Like they have all these other guys. Like it's like Star Fox. I'm like I don't understand. I've never been a Smash guy because I'm not good at it. I'm not good at any of those like fighting slash shooting games. So I I like. I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I, I like Smash, but, like, no, I, I'm not good at it, and I won't play it because I'm not good at it. So, Collins, that's funny you say that because I am also horrible at it. I have a Nintendo Switch, for those that don't know. No free ads. sick, though. Switches but, are awesome. Yeah, it's so much fun. But we had a little get-together this weekend at my house, and people see the Switch. They're like, dude, do you have Smash? Everyone always asks that. And I'm like, no, I don't because I'm terrible at it, and why would I spend $70 on a game that I'm very, very average at best at? But, Collins, Kirby is kind of like the saving grace for beginners. I will say that because he just kind of like. You just do really, that thing where you puff, puff up, and then you yes. go down. Yeah. Very hard no, to no, die. No, no, no. Very, very hard to die. But my guy's Donkey Kong on principle. I'm just a Donkey Kong guy. Mario Kart, Donkey You're Kong. Donkey Kong guy and Mario Kart? Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. I'm a baby but, Mario. Baby Mario, baby Luigi tag team and double dash. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm, I'm Donkey and Diddy. But, raps. Do you ever play Dude, Smash? Diddy Kong might be the worst character in all of Mario. He stinks. Oh, come on. It's that Diddy Kong Racing on a DS. What a game. I didn't know that was a thing. It's a Diddy Kong, like, Mario Kart. It's unbelievable. All With, right. like, random Diddy Kong characters. There's, like, tigers in it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Throw ahead, drives. I feel like I never really played Super Smash Bros. a ton growing up. I was more of a Mario baseball guy. Weren't you, Rabs? Come on. Well, I played – yeah, I, I mean, I was actually probably like more of a Super Mario Sunshine, Luigi's Dude, that game's Mansion. impossible. Which impossible. game? Mario Sunshine? Yeah, I know. I've I never beaten Luigi's Mansion. There's a certain point in the game where, like, you can't play anymore because it gets so hard in Luigi's Mansion. But no, there, There's a point in Mario, Mario Sunshine Kart. where, like, uh, did they make this for, like, 55-year-old, like, architects? What are we doing here? Yeah, that's tough, but – I never played a lot of Smash Bros. Um, I I wish I would have. That's something I would play right now on the GameCube. Um, I'd probably be a Bowser guy, I feel like. You know, just big, brawny, big guy, moving yeah. people out of the way. Who's the it's guy, Rob? Four yards. Buddy Victor. Three yards in a cloud of dust with Bowser. Trent, who's that guy, Rob? Or is it the robot? It's like ROB. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it, what is it? Is that right? Uh, yeah, but is it Bob or it's, it's yeah, something Bob, like, something like yeah. that? I, all the people who play Smash are like, these guys stink, they need to stop talking about Smash. But like, my buddy Victor plays him, and it used to make me laugh. I'm like, what is this character? Yeah, I was like, it is character is bizarre, but whatever. There's there's some weird ass characters in that game. All right, sports question around us out. We can make this quick because we are up against the clock right now, a little bit of a time crunch. What chance do you really give Michigan State? At winning the Big Ten. I understand this is a hyperbolic oh, question. Well. But I just want to know, like, I, I, Zero? No, I just, with, with Ohio State's loss this weekend, and given how great Michigan State has looked through two weeks, granted, we're not quite sure how good Northwestern is, and Youngstown State was a penciled in win anyways. I just want to entertain the thought. Do you think there's any chance that Smarty wins the Big Ten? No. And I wish they could. It's just, I Ohio State. Why is it lost Oregon? They looked like like shit. This just reminds me of the JT Barrett Virginia Tech t- year where they lost to Virginia Tech week two, and then they just kind of figured it out. Like Ohio State's have figured it out. I also think Michigan State hasn't played anyone yet. I'm not gonna be hyperbolic, but at the same time, I do like the I, I as a Michigan State slappy. I love the way you're thinking. I really do because I've had these thoughts. I'm like, okay, Dude, it's like wow, the, the offense I'm, looks good. I will I'm, say that it, it is. This week, they're six-and-a-half-point underdogs, and that's Miami. Get the get the wallets out because they're going to beat Miami this weekend. I'm just I, I completely agree. I completely really? agree, and I think they're going to start I, yeah, the season 8 Miami this I true. I, like, I, I'm not going to be like, oh, they, they got a chance. Like, Miami – no, Michigan State will beat Miami this week. I truly – 
my heart of hearts watching Michigan State. And I, I everyone's gonna be like, they haven't played anyone. Northwestern sucks. Yeah, Northwestern does suck. Youngstown sucks. Yeah, Youngstown does suck. Also, I've seen things like just from a discipline standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, that good football teams do. And Miami hasn't done either of that the two weeks I've watched them. I mean, Michigan State is this a more sound football team. And if their offense is able to move the ball, like if their defense is able to contain Deer Kin, they will win this football game because I think their offense is confident enough to score at least 24 points. So do me Michigan State this weekend against Miami. They're not winning the Big Ten. But if they do, I will be there and I don't know. I, I will, I'll pay all my like rent and chats, whatever. I'll be in Indianapolis to see it happen. Okay. People are saying it's going to happen. Not me, but people are people saying, are saying Rams. it. Yeah. Rams, what do you think? Round us out. I don't, I don't think that Michigan State is going to win the Big Ten, but I, if you can get past this Miami game, they have a real chance. I, and I say get past it because – now, like I watch a lot of Miami football. I know De'Aaron King is a real quarterback. I think he's – isn't he a little bit banged up, or he has been the last no, couple fine. weeks? he's fine. But, I mean, you're going to go play at Miami. So, it, I mean, it's your first – I don't know. I mean, I guess – I just think Miami's a better team than Northwestern. I don't think I'm crazy for saying no, that. No, no, so. no, no, no. It's your legit first test. Yeah, it's sure. It's a, leg, it's a legit first first test. Um, I think it's going to be a great test for them. But if you can, if you can win this game and – and he goes, I mean, they can legitimately go, you know, six and zero to start the year. So um, I don't think they have a chance to win the big 10, just because I think that when you go see a team like Ohio state, who I know dropped a bad game to Oregon, but Ohio state still on paper is it's much Ohio better state, than you Ohio are. State's a, Ohio state's a one of the conference. Yeah. And they're still much better than you are. I think if anything, Ohio state's like 10 times more dangerous now having a loss um, because they know there's no more room for error, but they've, I mean, I, through watching two games so far, I, I couldn't, and I know they really haven't played great opponents, but they look sharp. I mean, I, I just watched, I was just in person for back-to-back games where the first play of the game was a 75 yard touchdown. Like, but I, that's never happened before in the history of the world. So I couldn't, I couldn't be happier. And I think the schedule is very favorable to the point where there's no games that I'm really sitting there sweating because if they lose to Miami I'm like okay like Miami you know that's a that's a real team but I, I I genuinely think that they can if they can get past this Miami game they have a real shot of being undefeated rolling into Michigan which is which is awesome I mean they they look better they, they talk about a team that has juice and like Michigan State they have all the juice they have extra yes. juice they have juice on the side and the yes. juice on I, top I, of the th- euro but they also have extra juice on on the side for free and you can pay extra for more juice if you want my cousin's getting married like in the middle of the game basically not in the middle but shout out to danny and allison uh, congratulations have a beautiful beautiful union you know welcome, congratulations. welcome to the family but uh uh i think i might be i don't know yet but i might be bringing the gifts down and that has completely derailed my plan of watching the game in the wedding yeah, that's tough. I believe I, but my... like at the same time, like it might, it, do, do I go respect the pause? I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. I think it's going to be a game cast situation during the wedding. You got to get hurt. You got to find a way to get hurt before the wedding. <laughs> you got to go, you got to go slip on some, slip on some ice. Dude, I COVID my... sucks because it changed all these schedules and like uh, it, it messed up all the stuff like that. Nebraska's at 7 p.m. now, Collins. Can you make it I up saw that. that. What? Can you make it out for that one? I might, dude. I I don't know. I could. I it just. I I have a I have a reserved parking spot in Trent's driveway now. I, yeah, I appreciate. That's true. Good hospitality. What was the atmosphere, Rebs? And it was kind of dead. It was really? weird. It was weird. Yeah, I I feel like I mean I was telling all my all my buddies when we cause we got on campus at the lodges, we drove over to Trent's, and when you're driving through like Grand River and whatnot, you expect it to be buzzing and it really wasn't but i was like wait till we get in the neighborhood so it was good seeing people on their front lawn like you know but that's the thing like gunson is not mac you know like the closer you get to mac that's when the neighborhoods really like get buzzing but i mean you know trent had the die going like everyone was and then you know you walk once you start walking towards the stadium did you see the lines at the bars revs no insane oh i'm sure did you try and go out into the bars this weekend yeah, I went Friday night. I think I think it on was Saturday okay. night. My buddies tried to go for one of my buddies' birthday. Shout out Danny, happy birthday! But um, like legit, I think the line was like 
like for Dublin, I think it was like all the way to like the Riff. Like it was just like the lines were insane. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty bad on Saturday. Friday wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, I think that's the reason that the tailgating seems to be a little less this year. I think because the bars are back open, people are just flooding. Oh, for there. sure. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was it was a fun weekend. I turned my ankle really bad. Rabs thought I just drunkenly fell over. But um oh, definitely dude. happened. Yeah. Oh definitely my happened. god. I thought Trent, I thought Trent was done for the day. I, I stepped off ankle. my porch and rolled my yeah. ankle so bad. And Rabs because you were goes, drunk. No, no, no. It literally that's, that you're lying then, because that's what would happened. No, oh. it was the bad crack. Oh. He didn't see it, didn't expect it. Snuck up on I him. I stepped on my brutal front okay. pavement. And Rabs' buddy backed me up on it, but Rabs initially was like, dude, relax. It's 10 in the morning. and you're No, it's not. that. Come place. on. I didn't say that. <laughs> you pretty much said that. You Also, I knocked the beer out of Rabs' hand, but it was a pint with a screw on top, so it was okay. It was, a, yeah. Actually, I, we can't. I don't want to mention what it is because we don't get, we need a, a sponsorship. No free ads. If, you're, if you want to know what, what beer was knocked out of my hand, you better pay up. Just send it to Rabs. We don't need money. Yep. <laughs> pay up but all right guys that's it for today's episode of the motown rundown first motown mondays in the books and i completely lied when i said we're going 17 straight mondays because next week the game's monday night so we will see you next tuesday um for trent bailey and ryan collins i am ryan rabinowitz submit any questions comments or suggest topics for the show at motown underscore rundown on twitter or at the facebook or the motown rundown facebook page uh we're on spotify we're on apple Podcasts. subscribe follow like, rate us five stars, say something nice, or don't say anything at all, please. Uh, that's about it. We'll see you next time.